The Sydney Opera House acknowledges the Gadigal people, traditional custodians of Tubagale, the land on which the Opera House stands. We honour the long Gadigal history of gathering and storytelling and acknowledge the strength and resilience of First Nations people and communities past and present. I think the power of dance is in its sensations, is in its feelings, its ideas and its imagery. So it's okay to not understand. Just being okay to sit and experience those things and maybe be open to where that'll take your thinking. There's a gateway there. Hey, I'm Courtney Ammenhauser and this is Up Next, your ticket to the most exciting artists and performers coming through the Sydney Opera House doors. Join me backstage where I'm going to be chatting to a spectacular lineup of artists, up-and-comers who are making waves on one of the most iconic stages in the world. The Opera House is celebrating its first 50 years, so in every episode of this podcast, we showcase someone exciting who we think will transform the next 50 years of arts and culture. Harrison Hall is a dancer and choreographer, but I think it's fair to say his work is a bit strange, which is a compliment because he pushes the boundary of what those art forms mean. Think drones filming dancers in motion capture bodysuits. Think live performance transposed into video game avatars for people watching on the other side of the world. Think dancers that don't all look like ballerinas. On July 13, a showcase of Harrison's work will feature in the Opera House's digital festival Outlines, alongside a lineup of artists and technologists who are rethinking the future of performance. Harrison will present screenings of two performances and discuss his approach to experimental dance. Speaking of which, that's what this episode of Up Next is all about. Let's get into it. Harrison, I want to start our chat back at the beginning hmm. when you were a kid because you had a lot of energy to burn, right? Yep. Your mum thought maybe a trampoline will fix it. Maybe mm-hmm. that'll, you know, yep. get it out. Yeah, she threw me on a trampoline and then, um, yeah, the next stage was she took me to martial arts and she was like, this would be great, a bit of discipline, mm-hmm. you know, um, and next door to the martial arts place, there was a dance school. And I just loved kind of leaving that martial arts place. And I'd just be like peering through the windows and um, yeah, getting drawn to music and dance. And then, yeah, and I got sucked up into that world. (laughs) So what was the first type of dance that you started doing? So I was doing a lot of funk and then, you know, a bit of like tap as well, you know, the classic kind of forms that you do in a rural town, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then Yeah, the teachers, as usual, this is quite a common thing in dance, they'll say, oh, this is great, you're getting rhythm, you're getting movement, but you need technique. And what does that mean? That means ballet. Ballet, baby. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So then I was on the ballet train. You then went on to a performing arts high school Mm. and then you kept studying ballet as well. Yeah. I got into this performing arts high school and this was was VCAS, this really amazing school in Melbourne where it's half-day dance, half-day school. So, um, yeah, really great for dancers. And it's quite broad. And then I got wrapped into, you know, um, a big ballet school, you know, yeah, I went to the Australian Ballet School, which of course is... um, you know, an amazing but intense place. And I think in that time, I think even in my like second year, third year, I was already starting to, you know, contact contemporary companies and start to question what more could I experience in this kind of dance journey. 
Totally. I think it was pretty clear that ballet is the pursuit of perfection. It's it's an amazing form, but for a lot of people like myself and um, many other people, only a very few select people are close to this ideal and have what seems to be a fulfilling and rewarding time in that industry. And I was like, I don't really see myself in this. And then secondly, I started to just have more chats with people who were in ballet and, and I was really worried that, um, you know, my, like the creative things that I was interested in or the the kind of open um, abstract ideas or the types of narratives that I was more seeing and experiencing or understanding in my world weren't really represented in that form. And, you know, it's it's an amazing thing and it captures what, you know, a whole lot of people think is valuable in the same way that Usain Bolt may have, you know, by being faster, harder, stronger, you know, by running the 100-metre sprint. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think for me I was ready for something new, something more. Yeah. I grew my hair. I went and um, basically attached myself to this Buto um, performer, Yumi Yumi Mare. Um, she became my mentor. We toured Japan and I just did like a whole lot of weird shit, honestly, for like a year and a bit and then, you know, started to find where I kind of sat more in the middle of those. Can you run me through some of the experimental ways you've put on a dance performance? Hmm. Yeah, so I've made a parkour and bike show for dance. I've made a, a underground rave style dance that featured the Gabba dance um, to like obviously rave music. I've spent a lot of time in the kind of like 3D animation world, you know, like very kind of dismantled experiences of, um, yeah, dancing, music, performance, and integra- integrative technology. We'll have dancers with motion capture who are being um, streamed into a live online game while there's a, a band elsewhere that's being streamed into that space and an online game. I've made performances with people with um, different abilities, um, people with wheelchairs and, and, and um, yeah, moved them on crazy journeys through theatres. I've made uh, shows that had live bands from Taiwan join and motion captured dances and projection and a whole lots of technologies. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff. So good. And also some of the most amazing and profound experiences I've had working with people have been people who um, live with disability. And I remember there was a blind dancer who um, wanted to understand the movement more. So um, he came and and put his hands on me and we kind of went for a ride and we danced and moved together. And just to watch the kind of elation and and and, and that um, reciprocity, that, that feeling that we kind of um, shared together was like, yeah, incredible. Like those are the memories that I'll really like hold on to in my career, I think. Um, particularly around technology, actually um, people living with disabilities have more experience and expertise than, um, you know, than, than I have actually. I did this work running machine with a bunch of amazing creators from Australia and Japan and um, Hiwa Kazuhiko. They're an amazing um, performer who um, experiences life through a wheelchair and, yeah, we kind of started to really just collaborate and think about how these kite types of understandings of works um, could actually feed into the experiences for all audiences. I'm 
did a bit of research uh, recently and uh, we're working with a, a person that's vision impaired and, um, you know, I tried to explain them, oh, yeah, my, so my work's like, you know, making motion capture and, and, and doing dancing and like, like highly visual things. And then, um, you know, essentially it was like, oh, but how can people with vision impairment access this work? So we're actually, um, you know, going into a bit of research where we're um, now working out ways that we can send motion capture dances information into software and it can output a sound. Mm -hmm. So you can actually create these really creative, interesting ways and, and, and think about, reconceptualize the way that you make art or, or the kinds of experiences that are possible from those, um, yeah, those experiences. Amazing. I'm keen to talk to you about Bonanza. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was pretty mesmerised when I was watching the trailer for it on YouTube. Hmm. Your head kind of is bouncing around all over the place. There's limbs everywhere. It was also filmed by a drone. Right. Yeah. So this is a complex project, but I'll try and explain it. Please. Essentially, it starts off with a video work where I'm dancing and then I'm wearing different green screen suits. So different parts of my body are kind of moving around. That's the first section. Then it goes into a second section where I'm cut out. So the background is green screened and I'm in a digital world. And then in the next world, it's back to this original space that we filmed in, but they're 3D avatars of me in that space doing like impossible choreography, flying around, you know, breaking limbs and doing just like a whole bunch of stuff in the form of like a K-pop music video. So um, yeah, what's it all about? Great question. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> For that, it, like, you know, that was totally like a meditation in the depths of lockdowns. A lot of people were stuck at home, able to see this, you know, like made people think that like good quality artistic work could be made digitally in lockdown. Yeah. And you want to make art that feels real when you consume it from home. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, I, I totally agree. So the screen is not the best place for the body or for dance generally. It's definitely good live, but working out how we could kind of give an audience more access to the body through this certain environment. So that was the challenge. That was the thing we chipped away at lots, if that makes sense. Do you think about dance differently now than when you started out? Yeah, when I first started, uh, it was a bit more um, self-focused, I guess. Um, it was about needing to get good to be able to have a career. So it was very, um, yeah, very competition-based, focused on going forward and getting better and, and rising and, and, you know, competing with other people to get the role. Um, whereas, yeah, the works that I make now are um, much more focused on collaboration and um, working together, often hiding myself in digital material or as the choreographer so I can, you know, have other dancers rise up because these days I feel like watching myself or thinking myself dancing as much is just like a cringe. <laughs> <laughs> so a creative way is I hide myself in the digital. Sneaky. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I, I think the, the, the things that were interesting to me were building community and collaborating with people and, yeah, working as a team to make amazing things happen. Harrison, when you look back over your career, what do you think will make you proud? 
Hmm. It's definitely changed over the years. When I was younger, when I was like maybe like I'd say up to like my mid early mid twenties, it would have been like you know accolades I got in terms of like awards or whatever this is. Yeah. But I think I think yeah, as I've gone on, um, the, the most amazing moments that I've had are when you know young people come up and say wow, that was amazing, you know, um, I'm so inspired, I want to go and do something like this. Or, um, you know, yeah, for people that have come up and said, wow, that was really magic, I was just like in awe or I felt wonder. I don't know, I, I think just creating senses of um, of wonder, um, making people, you know, feel like the impossible is real. I think those things and as, you know, as kind of baseline as that is and, and all the nuanced, sophisticated ways that we go, <laughs> the laborious, crazy ways we go to do that, um, those are the kind of things that, I, like, I aspire. And, yeah, it, I'm sure as I get older that will increase. It'll be more about legacy and not in that my name needs to be anywhere and more so that, um, you know, these types of forms will continue to grow and these types of um, interests, you know, the values of dance and embodiment are still in the artistic sphere in a really strong and potent way. They say do the thing you love and you'll never work a day in your life, right? (laughs) It's not always true though and sometimes (laughs) we turn to the thing that we love in our profession and then our passion can fade away. Mm. I'm interested to know, do you like getting on a dance floor at a party? Oh, yeah, I, I love that because it's really different to what I do on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, realistically, as an artist working in today's society, um, my job is not just dancing around in a room, closing my eyes. It is doing heaps of emails. It's, you know, <laughs> being on the phones to heaps of people and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think some people are afraid to see contemporary dance because they think that there's something that they're perhaps not getting mm. or they might think that there's some kind of meaning that's clear to more sophisticated audiences and and not them, maybe. Hmm. What would you say to those people? I think it's okay to not understand. It's okay to just sit in sensation. It's great to just be awash with feelings, images, ideas. It can be polarising and that's often the artist's point. So maybe if they put that on, you know, one day in primary school in year six as part of personal (laughs) development, then maybe that stigma would be gone. Can you give me a guide like what to watch for or should we be trying to connect dots or process meaning at some point? I think the best and first thing is just remove meaning, no story, and, and just kind of sit, watch, maybe let your resistance drop. And try not to be too uh, worried about not getting it or understanding. I think the power of dance is in its sensations, is in its feelings, its ideas, and its imagery. So just being okay to sit and experience those things and maybe be open to where that will take your thinking. There's a gateway there. Mm. And, you know, the people I work with, we really try and bring a lot of art forms together and try and open up that accessibility bandwidth, if it makes sense. And that's by, um, yeah, we'll bring in like live music and people might not have rocked up for the dance show. 
right? They'll be rocking up for the the live game engine streaming that we're doing, all the music. And then what the hope is that they'll be like, wow, oh my God, dance. I've never seen it before, but I had all these great um, experiences and that was really cool. Or dancers being like, wow, gaming, that's sick. The Opera House is a classic venue for contemporary dance, but when you put on a show here, you did something this place has never seen before. Can you tell me about your show Doku with Lu Yang? Yeah, so it was simultaneously split between Sydney Opera House, the Utsun Room, with a beautiful view over the water, um, and uh, the West Kowloon space in Hong Kong. So we had a dancer in Sydney and a dancer in Hong Kong that were in a virtual game space dancing with each other. So an audience in each could experience a live dancer, but then you're also getting this collaborative idea, this kind of like stream dancing video game, like hyper world. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty amazing, pretty yeah, tight visuals. Hell yeah, that sounds so cool. And you're about to take part in Outlines, the Opera House's digital performance season. Can you give me a taste of what you'll be talking about? For Outlines, um, I'm presenting a work, um, or, or a few things actually. It's a bit of like a suite. Um, there's a work called Maelstrom. It's a collaboration between me and Luca Dante. Um, and this is really like wild kind of physics simulations on these digital bodies that are like breaking them apart and melting them and creating all this like beautiful skin choreography essentially. Um, And then there's another work in there called Flesh Cash, which is kind of like a a game um, ride through, a fly through of the Body Crisis series of works that we've been doing. So that's that's all, yeah, it's a collaboration with with Sam McGill and Nax in Taiwan and, and it's all the avatars and digital materials but like in this gamified way through this performance. Um, and then at the end is, is going to be a really great interview where, um, yeah, I'll be chatting to Matt Cornell um, who's another digital dance person and uh, we'll be doing some really fun um, real-time avatar streaming stuff. So that's going to be really fun and probably a little bit unhinged and fruity. <laughs> fruity, I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, that's, it's, it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. On this podcast, we like to ask guests who they think is going to be someone really big in their field, someone mm. that you might have your eye on or maybe not just in your field as well, just someone who you think is a star on the rise. Mm. Is there anyone that comes to mind for you? Oh, it depends what um, scale, but I mean, you know, like Benji Ra is an amazing performer, um, Vogue, Voga in the scene that's going to do, you know, is doing amazing things, is already huge, but it's only going to get bigger. Um, Tiger Kitaliong, who performed in the Sydney Opera House, is an amazing, amazing dancer that, um, yeah, is going to blow up on so many levels. Yeah, so so that that's on the, like, kind of dance dance space. Um I think, yeah, in terms of 3D animation, if you haven't seen them already, um, Luca Dante and Henry Lai Pine are amazing, amazing um, 3D digital artists that I absolutely adore and think are incredible. Yeah, they're just a few. I mean, there's heaps. So the beauty about my job is that I'm just surrounded and awestruck by, like, so many talented people, like, all the time. So, uh, yeah, 
it's kind of being blown away all the time and then having to like calm that down to be functional to work with them that's the issue you know? <laughs> you're like oh my god i love yeah, your work yeah i was like oh god stop <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for sharing those definitely some people to keep an eye on sure and thanks for coming on the podcast today harrison it's been great hey, to have you here thanks for being here in this warm studio i know it's steamy <laughs> <laughs> cheers That was dancer-choreographer Harrison Hall. You can catch Harrison on July 13 at Outlines, the Opera House's digital performance season. I'm Courtney Ammenhauser, and this has been Up Next, a podcast from the Sydney Opera House. From AudioCraft, the show is produced by Marcus Costello. From Sydney Opera House, Head of Digital Programming is Stuart Buchanan, and the Digital Programming Coordinator is Georgia D'Souza. The Up Next music is by Milan Ring. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.